This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, on today's episode of the podcast, I sat down and chatted with Mark Hollinen. Mark is the chief technology officer at Steelhead Technologies. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, his foundation in computer science, into programming, some different startups and stuff that he's gotten into. Uh, just kind of picked his brain about what drives him, what's he excited about. Uh, so it's fun to hear about that and fun to sit down and visit and catch up with Mark. I really enjoyed this one. I hope you guys do as well. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Mark, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks, Logan. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, I know that you started this podcast. Uh, I don't know, a year or two ago. Yeah, a year and, uh, and a half or so, yeah. I definitely appreciate the persistency and the, the dedication and the discipline to just keep it going and uh, with consistency, that's huge for, for anything. So. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. It is something you, you realize, I didn't even realize when I got into it, but afterwards I've heard on average, a podcast makes it about seven episodes, I think, okay. something yeah. like that. If you make it past 10, you're in the top like 5% of podcasts. If you make it past 20, you're in the top 2%. I don't remember the exact stats, but it's something like that. Right. Uh, a ton of people try it and a ton of people don't commit to it. Yeah, it's probably probably sim similar numbers for working out uh, yeah. and similar results. You know, if, if you're trying to get in shape, you have to look at your last six months and if you're in the gym three times a week over the last six months, you're, you're going to have results. Um, yeah. so yeah, persistency and uh, discipline is key to a lot of things. Yeah, actually, uh, I, w I wouldn't mind touching on that at some point too. Uh, but before I hopped on, I was watching your commencement speech or valedictorian speech. Okay. I should say the commencement is when you make the speech as like an older person, right? But valedictorian speech in high school. Do you remember giving that? Do you remember what you said? Oh, yeah. Do you remember what you talked about? Um, yeah, I, I remember giving it. Mostly I remember my, my knees were just absolutely non-existent. <laughs> I absolutely lost control of my knees and they were yeah. really just wobbling like crazy. But uh, got through it. I, I definitely wouldn't say I'm... I just kind of did it because that's tradition. You yeah. know, I wouldn't say I'd have any desire to be speaking to a bunch of people. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely remember it. And I just mostly remember my never losing control of my knees like that. Yeah. Uh, ever before or since. Yeah. Did that happen? Uh, I mean, it's a pretty large room, right? You got all the students, you got parents, you got whoever else packed in the gym. Did you have like, uh, any presentations you have to make in high school, like a small class or in college? Was it similar or was this just a whole new level that made it? Yeah, it was just a different level. Uh -huh. uh, you're so far away from everyone. You can't really see anyone. Mm -hmm. You just know there's a lot of people. Um, and there's no one like close to you. Like you're up on the podium and everyone's far away. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a cool experience. Um, glad I did it in hindsight. I knew if I didn't do it, I would regret it. So 
I'm glad I did it. Yeah. No, I thought you did a good, did a good job and you touched on a few things. Uh, actually, before you even dive into all these things, I've, I thought about, I, I never really pre-planned, but I think a lot about when somebody's coming on about, hey, what is this? Like sometimes we're in here to talk about X, whatever it is, right? Uh, for you, I felt like I just want to pick your brain. I just feel like you're a, a interesting guy. And that's kind of where I thought about it is just, I, I mean, we talked about fitness, we talked about school, uh, even talk about that valedictorian speech, talk about a few different things. But do you, as far as to fit the theme of the obsessed, do you have things that you, like right now on a Saturday night, what are you thinking about or what are you... Do you have something that fits for you in the obsession category? And then are you that type that when you get into something, you really get into it? Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's uh, product development. Okay. Um, so yeah, probably in about 2015 or 2016, after I kind of learned how to program computers and built some stuff as an employee, kind of gained the confidence like, okay, what's, what's next here? Uh, what are, what's available? So started reading around, you know, guys like like Peter Thiel or Mark Zuckerberg kind of read their books or their blog posts about what they what they've done and how they've done it. Um, and yeah, it kind of comes down to a lot of these big innovative com- technology companies are started by a few people, and in in ten years they get big. Mm-hmm. And I uh, kind of looked at the situation. I'm kind of like, yeah, that that's my challenge in life. Hmm. Um, I was, I was given a lot and I uh, just kind of felt like it was just up to me to, to make it happen. Yeah. The product development side of things. Hey, so cause you created Vora, right? Oh, and, and I guess we can get into a few of these different things, but what are some of the projects, even just on a high level that you've been involved with? You created Vora. What are some of the other things? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Vora was one of the successes. Vora was a, a fasting tracker. So I was kind of into uh, intermittent fasting for a while. Um, well, I still kind of do it, but I don't track anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of failures too. Um, there was one called, well, the first one was actually called quick strain. Uh, me and Brent worked on that. That was, a a tool for measuring strain, you know, like mechanical strain. So perhaps you'd take a picture of a bridge every year and see if it's, uh, straining or something. So that was the very first one. And, uh, we'd have no clue what we're doing, you know, we're just, no, no one doing sales, no one in doing marketing, but I just love the engineering and product design aspect of it. That hmm. it was just, I just had a blast doing that. So all the way through college, I'd wake up on a Saturday morning and I knew exactly what I was working on. And it was engineering on a side project. Yeah. I was like, I wasn't going fishing. I was like, I'd go to bed and I'd be like, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. First thing, making a pot of coffee and, and, uh, building this next feature on, on whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Why is that? What, do you remember why? What got you intrigued with that? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's, there's not going to say there's not some part of its ambition for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think I just kind of looked at the situation as like, this is what I'm good at. Yeah. Um, you know, just personality and aptitude and all things considered, this is like, I'm so much better at this than everything else. That this is what I want to do. Yeah. You, uh, and again, tying this back in your commencement speech, you said you remember it, but you were talking about, uh, how grades measure basically your ability to focus, uh, work hard, your intelligence in these certain categories and take tests. Whereas there's other parameters of life, like, uh, charisma, a few other things, right. That you right. can't, 
score necessarily, but have a huge impact on your success. Uh, you were saying that lean in on who you are and where your strengths are. Did you, how did you, I guess feels like a, a wise thing to know at 18. And then you're applying that as well in the college on a Saturday afternoon. Is that kind of the same thing or, or how did you arrive upon that? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, school fit me really well. Yeah. Like, um, you know, starting in 10th grade, I was kind of like, I'm, you know, I, I was just able to learn the rules and play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd read the syllabus and okay. 80% of the grade is homework. Um, and I'd allocate my time, you know, proportionally right. to get the grades. Um, and, and it was effective for me. It, mm-hmm. it just fit my personality. Um, and I learned a lot. Um, I, Brighton High School is phenomenal. Uh, specifically, uh, Mr. Mr. Tumzer teaching calculus and Mr. Hudicek teaching uh, chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, college, college level courses in, in high school uh, challenging, um, you know, just right up there with Michigan tech, hmm. uh, level. And, um, yeah, I, I think I, I just fit, it just fit in with me. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I think it, I just got lucky that it, that it fit me well. You know, I don't think high schools are, if you're going to become a real estate agent or, or do, uh, sell insurance or some of these other professions or many other professions, it's not, super targeted at it mm-hmm. there, there's not you don't learn sales in high school right but sales is a hugely important job that many people have mm-hmm. um but so i, I think <clears throat> i it it felt like it was just set up for me and it just fast-tracked me yeah no it does feel like sales is an underappreciated thing and there's a ton of people who would be unbelievable sales sales people that are not i mean mm-hmm. Uh, that's okay. Right. But it just, uh, I like to tone it up and say like, look at the opportunity here. If you're not, you could even be great at school, but if you're good with people, sales is an awesome opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a ton of people that could benefit from going down that path. But anyways, for you, uh, on a weekend in college, that's what you were doing. Uh, part of it, ambition, part of it, just leaning in on who you are, but uh, you could, you could have ambition and, and be lean in on your talents, but also not enjoy it, but you enjoyed it absolutely okay oh man yeah that just learning and put putting together a project uh you know here's the database here's the api server here's the user interface here's how the data flows through everything um i would set up my one of the projects was called pose which was like a, a photo booth that ran through facebook messenger and i like set it up uh in the house and had people over and they're all trying it out and it's actually working and yeah, you know, I never made any money, never, I didn't have anyone selling it or, and the project was just, you know, anything with hardware is too high of a budget unless you got, you know, you're probably, you're going to need to raise money. Mm -hmm. Um, that's going to be hard to do unless you have, you're well connected with the right people. Um, but I, yeah, I had an absolute blast building it. Um, and zero regrets at the end of the project i'd be like well this thing's probably dead yeah but on to the next one (laughs) right you know zero regret Hmm. so i I guess i'm curious i took an intro to programming class at tech uh and when i walked in there it was 100 percent greek did not understand it at all right uh but it was basic entry level stuff but i understood afterwards man this is like addicting in, in the terms of like, okay, we're making this Sudoku puzzle or this GPS map, or I don't remember what exactly these projects were, but to get it to work, 
that feeling was unreal. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I could see on a huge scale why that would be rewarding. And I guess I'm curious, does that maintain like still today? Is it addicting? Yeah, I would say it kind of shifts. Like once you write enough code and solve enough problems, you kind of know at the beginning you can do it. You know, I've done this a thousand times and I'm pretty sure I can pull it off again, you know? Um, but the, the coolest thing to see is the, the users using it and the users getting value out of it. Sure. Um, so what I would describe is like, uh, one of our early customers in Mankato, uh, before steelhead, uh, they would look at their monthly reports on, you know, revenue and expenses. And every so often they'd say, ah, it's time to raise our prices. And they would just raise prices across the board on all their part numbers and all their customers. Mm-hmm. Just do a 6% raise across the board. Um, but after they implemented Steelhead and they're tracking all the part numbers and all the time they, they spend at the various steps, powder coating, they're now doing pinpoint price adjustments up and down per part number per customer. <laughs> so even from the outside, uh, just completely change the business and, and how they operate. Right. Um, to, so at, at this point, the, the results are, are really cool to see as well. Yeah. And we talked to, I talked with it about Brent, but that's what you're working on today. Steelhead. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Yeah. Steelhead we're, we're in about uh, 30 to 40 plants. Uh, we're up to 23 ish full-time employees. Um, yeah, our, our customers really love the product and we have a phenomenal team showing up every day and, and deploying it, uh, and spreading it far and wide. Mm-hmm. Is this your first experience or not, not even necessarily first experience, but what is it like now? Like some of those early projects, you said, yeah, nobody selling it, nobody doing some of that other work. What's it like now to be part of a team where the people are doing that side of things? Yeah. It's, uh, just a, f- a lot more energy in the project. Okay. Um, yeah, I think all those projects were, were fun to do the engineering on and learn, but I did get sick of, uh, you know, dig another hole in the side project or aviard and, yeah. and, and push this, this one into the, into the memory hole. But, uh, so I definitely, you know, was kind of getting sick of not having results. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of gets old right. to work, to work towards a goal for five years and, and have nothing to show for it. Um, so, so to have a uh, sales team, you know, right off the bat, dedicated, you know, three full-time salesmen, which is what we had, mm-hmm. um, Aaron Honan, Jeff Honan, and Dean Honan. Um, that was huge. And uh, yeah, it just kind of worked out. There were, I don't know if there's any like master plan. Uh, both of us were kind of running, you know, we were running a development agency. They were running a sales agency. Uh, I think both of us had some free time. Uh, so we, we started Steelhead. Mm-hmm. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. 
They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. You know, I would say another huge part of uh, <laughs> it was Brent. I yeah. mean, I think you have to go back to, to me starting programming was, um, I think I was up here for New Year's, sleeping on the couch at, at Bachelor Pad. And my brother Brent was like, you know, these computers are pretty cool. Like, mm. you should learn how to program. Uh, it's a pretty useful skill. Yeah. You know, that, and that's all it took. Huh. Uh, he just said that, and I was like, okay, you know, I'll look into it. Yeah. Um, so then my dad actually was a programmer, and his company was getting rid of a bunch of old laptops um, for like 30 bucks a piece. So uh, right around the beginning of my senior year high school i got my own laptop and uh just learned how to program on my own just solitary in the basement Hmm. just just mucked it out um uh, i was studying for yeah the mix of the ambition but i followed the ap computer science curriculum so i could that was my goal you know the end result was to pass the ap computer science exam yeah so I was the only one at Brighton High School to take the AP computer science exam, um, which is to me is just amazing that, you know, I, I guess it's hard to find people who know how to program who want to take a teacher's salary. It's yeah. probably the biggest problem. Yeah. But there is just nobody, you know, it's, an, it's, it's abs- if, you, if, if there's any skill, just like a hard skill that you could learn right now, it's programming. Like something that's just absolutely um, useful, even if you don't write code every day, you know, it's absolutely a hard skill that it's not like calculus where like you probably won't, you know, uh, do a integral Mm -hmm. when you're analyzing real estate markets. But if you knew how to program, you might, you know, scrape the internet for some real estate information and build some tools. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just an incredibly practical skill that, uh, most people learn on their own. That's just how it is, I guess. Yeah, it is. Uh, we've got some tools that we use that help us within Excel. I mean, uh, pretty intensive. I mean, just Excel files, right. But pretty intensive programming that goes into that, that saves us tons of time on the real estate side of things. Mm -hmm. So huge, huge applications there. Uh, but no, actually the thought, I want to get back into that, but the thought I had with Steelhead is, and you were talking about the project or the uh, the project graveyard and things not working out, but I was thinking in my head it clicked that you're almost like a, a musician in a way. Does that make sense? Like you're, you're throwing out singles, like, man, when's something going to hit? When's <laughs> something going to hit? And like, when do you give up? That's such an interesting thing to me. Like the guy that's playing music for 30 years, uh, where's that? Uh, it's just interesting. When does he give up? Why, why, do, you, why do you keep pushing? And, and we talked about persistence. Uh, to me, persistence is the answer, right? Keep pushing. Right. Uh, yeah. I think there has to be some amount of passion. Yeah. You're not going to make it on straight ambition. There sure. has to be some amount of organic interest. And I remember at the beginning of Steelhead. So I, I did like the first six months of software development at Steelhead. I remember just being excited about the initial design I had for modeling a process in a tree data structure. Mm-hmm. I remember being like, this is going to be fun to build. Like, just short sight, the next two weeks of building this will be fun. Yeah. And that that's kind of, 
you know, what helps, you know, get a, a new project started even after five failures in a row before it, mm-hmm. you know, to just, well, here we go again, you know. Right. Is it, uh, you said that you get to the point where you know that you can do something. Is that almost all the time or is there something like steelhead or is there a size where it's large enough where you go back to that, man, this is a huge challenge and it's addicting or there's a huge reward at the end of it? Yeah, the making the whole company work is definitely just an unknown. Yeah. You know, you you show up every day and hustle and uh, try to make it happen, but yeah, there's no you know programming. You can if you've built a, a, a table before with a many to many structure, like you've done it before. You know, it's gonna might have some slight slight twists to it, but you know it's real similar but i think every company you know even if i did a company after steelhead i would have no guarantees i could make it work yeah uh, there's just a lot of path dependencies um you know your early hires can have a huge impact uh on how things go mm-hmm. your early customers can have a huge impact like a steelhead we kind of got yeah we kind of got lucky i think brent might have talked about this um but our first we we started the company because uh uh, a company in Canada, a really complex shop told us like this, just a really complex system that they need. Um, you know, it needs to be able to, you need to be able to change this in, uh, instruction for operators right here. And it needs to cascade everywhere else in the system, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then they are a bigger company, so they're going to move slow. So we're kind of like, we need to, we need to make stuff happen. Like in the next, month Mm -hmm. like like stuff needs to happen um you know we're not making any money on this we got you know we got people you know and they need to feed their families and stuff um so we went to wildwood coding um and that was my life for i mean still has started in uh, like june of 2021 ish and uh kind of had like a working prototype in probably july or august Mm mm-hmm and my life was getting steelhead working at wildwood yeah and it gave me like a lot of anxiety that it wasn't working hmm. and it was all i thought about and i would go there all the time and try to figure out uh you know what do you guys need what does it take and we finally got them using it and uh i remember just checking steelhead every day and seeing that they're on it every day and you know if they're using it four days after I talked to them last, uh, they're not doing that to be nice. No, they're doing it cause they're getting usage out of it. And I remember that just being like Christmas, hmm. like I would like kind of work on something else, maybe go work out or something. And I'd be done working out and I'd think about how Wildwood was using steelhead. Right. And it would just be like <laughs> unreal, like <laughs> smile on my face. Like, you know, just an unbelievable feeling. Like, yeah. like we, you know that i would say it's called you know it's signs of having product market fit sure which in the industry they just say pmf because it's so important for a startup when you're doing something new something innovative uh you don't know if there's a a market for your product yeah and you're in desperation mode Mm -hmm. like you, you every day you need to be desperate yeah like you might be working on a product that doesn't doesn't have a market might not it might be too expensive to sell the users might um 
have conflicts of interest with using the product because recording the data is problematic, whatever. Things out of your control, the unknown. Um, and, and, and once you, once it felt like Wildwood was using it every day and multiple times a day, multiple people, and they're liking it, it was like turning the corner on product market fit. Um, so that was, that was probably, that, that was definitely, I remember just telling Brent, like, Wildwood used Steelhead again. Yeah. You know, like every three days I'd tell him, like, Wildwood's still on Steelhead. Like, oh, this. they're still on it. They're still, you're using it every day. And it's just like, this is it. Like, yeah. I, I just kind of, kind of had the feeling like if they're logging in and using it every day, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, they're not, they're not paying us, but who cares? Like they're a smaller powder coating shop. Uh, you know, surely, um, you know, we can find bigger powder coating shops that, ha- that have bigger budgets. Yeah. Yeah. The, you talk about early on when it wasn't working and the anxiety about that, what, what would you have to go and fix? I mean, that would be a hard question to answer, but obviously it's tons of things, but I guess you fixing like little bugs within the system or whole features or all the above or what's, uh, what are you working on early on? I guess I'm just curious. Yeah. So just friction in the software early on, it was, um, the issue was it was not powerful enough order entry. So they get in parts and sometimes they need to sandblast them. Sometimes they don't. And, and we, we had to come up with features to make that easier when they're order entering an order, they have to, you know, with his, a rational number of clicks, um, enter the data send it out on the shop floor. Sure. Um, you know, I think the earliest version it was possible, but it just took like this academic effort to go click around at certain things. And there's probably bugs in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just getting just removing the, the points of friction and finding out like, where is it failing? Right. Like we call it crash testing. So it's just like, we're going to run this thing until it crash and then go work on what, it, why it crashed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the core of steelhead is like tracking where the parts are. So all your operators say, go to steelhead and say, I'm uh, it's n- no longer in blasting. It's now in the queue to get painted. Um, that that being able to track those parts through the process was such a valuable thing that they were able to use it you know only three or four months into development they were getting value out of it even though we're missing so much functionality that we've since uh, built Mm -hmm. you know like quoting and um shipping and invoicing and reporting things like that right yeah it's uh it's interesting i guess a lot of what i'm I guess on a separate note, I, here I'm jumping around, but I'm thinking about you and that persistence thing. And we talked about fitting what you're good at, but also doing the hard thing. Like you talked about in that valedictorian speech, right? Uh, doing what's hard and you can always go back to where you fit. If you found out you reach too far or whatever else, I don't know. That to me is super interesting. That persistence, that hard work, where does that get you? Why do you do it? All that kind of stuff. Uh, and we, and we mentioned fitness early on, didn't you, for some reason, again, some of these things, you have these memories, you have these thoughts. I don't know if they're real or not, but for like, I feel like when you got to college, you became really in shape compared to what you were, uh, almost like the opposite of the typical, typical trajectory. But is that true? Am I, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely was, uh, rarely worked out until 
freshman year of college. I yeah. think I came home for Christmas and my dad told me I was looking pretty fat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that, 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 uh, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, this is under my control. Yeah. You know, like there's no excuse to be a blob of fat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, there's plenty of time in the day you can, you can set down the TV show or the scrolling social media and go work out. It's, it's not much to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know why. It's probably just personality to to strive for to be your best. I would say it's personality mostly. Right, it's what you're the personality you're born with. Yeah, yeah. But you like in college, and that's still today part of your world. The fitness, exercise, yeah. that side of things. Yeah, I probably just do the standard. You know, go to the gym three times a week. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, you kind of kind of look at it and uh it gets to the point where probably you know you're comparing yourself to the guys on steroids <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like well you know i'm not gonna dig steroids i'm not into it i'm not gonna risk any health to, to get more you know in shape or whatever right so it kind of i'd say that kind of was where i reached the limit you know you know i i could I mean, some guys just take it to the extreme. I, I think it's fine to just in moderation or, mm-hmm. you know, just a healthy amount, you know, just, yeah, a healthy amount. You, you can overdo fitness, right? I mean, right. there's guys that will, like the elite bodybuilders, they'll set an alarm in the middle of the night, wake up and eat, go back to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there, there's, you got to have balance in life at some point. Yeah. No, but I just, I guess trying to get a feel for what, what makes you tick and celebrating the persistence, celebrating the hard work. Uh, I don't know. It's just interesting. And again, that whole mindset of here you are on a Saturday during college, most people are out fishing, hunting, partying, whatever. Uh, you're there working on a side project. And even, even today there's so much work that you do. And I guess I resonate with that a little bit. I mean, I've been in sales for a while and had some different business things where it's like, you don't know if you're going to be rewarded for this. right? Right. Uh, it's about as un, I mean, especially for you, like doing real estate, you could put in a ton of energy and a ton of effort and not be rewarded for it. Uh, that's ultra or ultra true on like the startup side of things. Yeah. You could, you could, you could go crazy for five years and have nothing. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then again on those early side projects, but then also on the fitness side of things, I don't know, just super interested in like why that persistence and, and what does that come from? Uh, I don't know. I guess we kind of talked about it early on with the podcast, right? Having the persistence to go beyond 17 episodes or whatever too, right? But right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Nature versus nurture. I, I would say a lot of it's nature. Yeah. Um, but for me, the nurture side of it was definitely Brent had an incredible amount, still has an incredible amount of uh, influence on my life. And I think he's, he's kind of a, a pretty serious guy. And when I moved into college, I moved in into his house. Um, so... I think you kind of, you know, I would agree that you're kind of the average of the five people you're around. Mm-hmm. I was around Brent a lot and he's, he was older. He's six years older than me. Right. Uh, pretty serious. And he, he was, he was always saying things like only buy things at full price. You know, if you're micro optimizing and you're couponing, you're never going to build anything notable. Right. He's, he's always saying stuff like that. Yeah. It's real, yeah. you know, serious and like, <laughs> We're gonna do, you know. You got to do something, you know, extraordinary. You right. Know, you're never stop couponing, you know. Right. Um. So that that's what I came of age around. Um. So that probably had a huge influence. Yeah. 
No, I appreciate that. It's, uh, I feel like Brent would be on the same page and I feel like I feel this way is like for you guys diving into these projects is like, Hey, worst case scenario, you learn something. Right. Right. But like having the fear and not letting yourself get into it is the downfall. Like get into it. Who cares? Right. Right. With all the, on all the side projects and everything. I feel like that'd be the mindset he'd have. And you would have is just get into it, learn from it, attack it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No risks, no risk, no reward. Right. There's going to be, yeah, if you want to, yeah, high risk, high reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. But I wonder if there's like a similar personality style or something. Again, what makes the musician that plays music for 30 years with no success or you that make side projects for four or five years without necessarily having a result? Because there's a lot of people that get into those kind of things and just give it up. Right. I don't know. That, I know you said nature versus nurture and Brent's there to help you and whatever, but I wonder if there's like a personality or, or is it a, a cultural thing? Uh, what is it? I don't know. I, I, to me, that's just intriguing. Like, again, I, I've a few different times I've ha- wanted to have a musician on here and our schedule's just having a line, but I just wanted to ask him like, yeah, what keeps you going? I mean, you've seen some, su- some success, but why, why keep going? Right. I think it's awesome. I just, yeah. Yeah. A musician is probably a more extreme version of startups. I mean, yeah. I don't know what the numbers are of like the top 0.5% of musicians make what 99% of the money oh, I sure, mean, yeah. is, is way more lopsided than startups for sure. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of startups uh, relative to star mu- musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, if your goal in life is to become a celebrity musician, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you may as well try to be the president, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but startups are compared to that. Um, you definitely have better numbers if you have the aptitude, Yeah, you know, if you try to do a startup that you're not cut out for, you ain't going to make it. Right. But there is a correlation though. You got to have that, whatever that is, that persistence. It seems right. like it to me. I mean, for you to just keep going and keep going, there's got to be that. Yeah, yeah, some yeah, something, some kind of motor, I guess, um, belief, self, self confidence, I guess. Yeah, I think for me, even with this podcast, is like I'm so excited about it. So, like you said, there's got to be that passion, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing it, well, I mean, you could have the startup side of things be for the money, and that's probably good, right? But you got to be excited about it and be into it. But here, like, I don't care what happens to this. I don't care what the results are. I'm just excited to do this and excited to meet the different people and sit down and have these conversations. Right. I feel like that's where my persistence comes from with this. Although I, I will combine what like my perceived work ethic is, and then again, even putting that uh, results-minded thought process towards this is what has made me be consistent and persistent along with it. Right. So I feel like it's like 90% passion, but then just applying those same tools. Like the, the persistent side of it is almost just on autopilot. I don't even think about it. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Just take other areas of life and just like, why wouldn't you? Right. Right. I don't know. And I think another, another framework is, uh, you know, it's, it's good to pursue things that have limited downside and, and, unknown upside sure startups are definitely like that starting your own business is like that or, or doing a podcast is like that mm-hmm. you know like what the worst that can happen is not a big deal right and the best that can happen is is unknown like who knows where it could lead you mm-hmm. so give it a whirl right um so definitely definitely had that mentality a lot with all of my side projects yeah the worst that happens you know i spent however many more 100 more hours programming um and probably learn something and, and go on to the next one. But you know, the best that can happen, who knows? 
Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you build a steelhead. Right. It's, uh, and what about too, like, okay, we talked before you got on, you have, you just bought a recently bought a Corvette prior to that. You had a pretty high end surf boat. Right. Uh, I feel like, again, that's unique in a way. Like a lot of guys might have the ability to do that, but instead they're going to buy the $5,000 surf boat and see if they can make it work. Right. Uh, or the, you know, 30 year old out of style Corvette or whatever. Right. I, I don't know. To me, it's interesting again, that you take those bigger plunges. Is that kind of the thing that you learned from Brent or um, what, what inspired that? I guess. I don't know. Um, probably I, I don't have much, you know, I definitely would rather spend my like mental energy on startups and products. I don't want to spend time, you know, fixing the, the camshaft on my boat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know anything about it. Right. Other people are good at that. I'll let them do it. I'd rather just just wait until I can afford something that I don't have to work on. Mm-hmm. It's not an interest of mine. Right. Um, if I was going to do something that's, that's not computers, it would definitely be like, like wood woodwork. Um, mm. I think the, you know, the ancient buildings, you know, someday I want to go to Europe and, and check it all out. I think that's amazing. The level of effort they put into the, the beauty of the, of the, their interiors and out, uh, exteriors. Yeah. I would have more interest in that than, than fiddling on small engines for sure. Yeah. But no, even just to have, again, I feel like there's like some mindset things to have the mindset and be like, yeah, I'm going to buy this boat or yeah, I'm going to buy this car. It's just not something you see very frequently. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I couldn't tell you. Yeah. But again, you don't have to justify it. I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. Where does it come from? You know? Yeah. I mean, I think I've, yeah, I think I live within my means. Um, just kind of, I've always, I've always lived within my means. Like when I, um, after college, well, I finished, I finished college in three years. So I was able to kind of work on Bora or I kind of figured I earned a, not going directly into a corporate job at least. Mm-hmm. So I did some freelancing, um, and then eventually did go work some corporate jobs. And, um, I just knew that wasn't a fit for me. Yeah. So I just saved all the money that that i could i lived with my parents for two years after college and saved all the money um but i remember a lot at both jobs actually what i ended up doing was walking laps outside yeah i could not focus on it Hmm. um just not enough impact not close enough to the customer couldn't focus yeah i sit down on the computer read the news go for a half hour walk outside come back inside still don't care right um so that that's you know i wasn't uh, i was definitely saving money at that point because i was like you know uh, that i don't see myself showing up here for even another two years Mm -hmm. um so when i quit my last corporate job um actually had zero plan whatsoever i went to my boss and i said uh yeah, I just need to take more risk in life. Um, I need to take more risk in my career. I have zero plan besides to take more risk in my career. Um, you know, I, I had worked on the side projects before, so I had a taste of it. Um, and I'm sure what he knew what that meant was startups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he knew darn well. He, he, he was one of the early employees or founders of the company. Sure. And what he said was, well, startups are hard. I was like, mm-hmm. yep, I know. I, I failed at it four times already. Um, right. 
So, but I just, there was no, it didn't feel like really an option to me. So when I quit, I had, you know, a couple of years of savings and, you know, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not doing this. Yeah. I looked back at the last 11 months and I was like, not proud of anything I've built. You know, I'm used to putting together more complex systems with more responsibility and just more faster moving, more moving parts. Um, and I was like, well, if the 11 past 11 months produce nothing that I'm proud of, why expect anything different for the next 11 months? Yeah. And that's, that, that was the, the logic that I, that made me, uh, hang it up. Actually I had zero plans to start learning labs. Um, when I, when I quit my job, hmm. so I quit my job, took, drove my trailer sound up North for St. John's. That was the only plan I had yeah. <laughs> at that time. And I started Lorient Labs like three weeks, three weeks later. Unreal. So just, yeah, crazy. Just, I don't know. Quit with zero plan. And then like a month later, it felt like everything was in place. Yeah. What about uh, the corporate setting didn't fit? I mean, I know you said you weren't making an impact, stuff like that, but was it more, you were more excited about the startup side of things or just that in general, your personality style didn't fit or... I mean, I resonate with that. I don't feel like I fit necessarily a corporate style either. Uh, more along the lines of what you're into is where I gravitate towards. But I'm just curious, yeah, why that? Why that was a struggle to fit within? Yeah, I, I didn't need the money. I remember driving to work every day. Like, I don't know why I'm coming here. I don't need the money. Yeah. Like, I'm not not really spending it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the people there were all really brilliant people i'd hire most of them mm-hmm. i'd love to hire most of them steelhead i think they do a phenomenal job um so they did everything in their power to make it a great place to work mm-hmm. they're like you know when i left they're like oh is there anything we could have changed like no right it just wasn't a fit um so i think it's just that later stage is just for a different personality than me yeah and that's it yeah, I feel like I have the same tendencies. Again, hard if I'm not making an impact or, again, being close to the customer, that side of things, having a, a big role in what's going on, I struggle with being involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have the same tendencies. I've been interested in startups and business and sales for forever. Uh, but I feel like, and for better or for worse, I've definitely got like a, a and I've still to this day been in like gain experience mode versus starting mode uh, or starting that startup. I guess the pod, again, this is... Uh, low level commitment as far as the podcast goes for a startup but and i've done some other things but either way i guess i feel like i'm taking the very slow approach that hey when i'm 35 i'll be primed and ready to go for whatever it is and even if it's a smaller thing or whatever uh just gaining those experience gaining those skills gaining those funds to get to the point of yeah let's go right Right. uh and i I feel like i learned like at like age 21 22 i had this thing where i had to keep score like man look at this guy going why can't i keep up with him or what or or this guy's done this by this age i need to do that and i realized like no man it doesn't matter life's a marathon right Right. uh when you're again i'm looking at i could give you a counter argument to this whole spiel but i'm looking at it as like when you're 35 or 40 i feel like that's my window of okay let's go Hmm. uh it doesn't even make sense necessarily the counter argument is like why wait right right Uh, but either way i just i feel like i've gotten to the point where i'm again different seasons of life married kids whatever too right right uh so I, I understand both sides, but I feel like there's some value in not necessarily keeping score and worrying if you're have it rolling at 29 or 35 or 45, you right. know? 
Yeah, my personality is definitely to keep score. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit it. Right. Uh, I'm definitely looking at the scoreboard. Yeah. Uh, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's when you're younger, like you're, you're 18 to 21, you have like an incredible amount of energy. Oh, yeah. Like you can work a ton of hours and work out and just sleep eight hours and you're just back at it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think that's the right time to find your career. Sure. Like don't spend that time watching tube. Right. Like I, like <clears throat> for all the work I put into like passing the AP computer science exam, I signed up for Michigan tech for electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. I might want to do electrical engineering. Um, so, you know, I, even with all the work I put into programming, I was like, I'm still exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I put like, I just put an incredible amount of energy into finding where I fit. Um, and I think when you're younger, that's the time to do it. Yeah. Uh, that's when it's easiest. It's not going to, if you're trying to switch up your career at 27, it's going to, it's going to be tougher. Um, yeah. You just don't have the, you don't have the energy levels and, and the, you know, the young carefree mindset. Like you, you do mature and you feel like you need to find a, spot where you fit in yeah you just i think your mind matures and and the time to explore is is younger right no it's interesting i i do agree with that uh and i did focus hard on the sales side of thing and i've still been focusing hard on that right uh it's almost like get to the point where you make or for me in my mindset is get the sales role in this world to the point where now you're in a like a retirement mode at a really young age mm-hmm. and that's when you can dive into this uh, i even think about that you talk about the scoreboard I'm a super competitive person, but for whatever reason, I don't necessarily keep score on that front. Maybe I do, but I'm thinking if I'm going to play around a golf with a guy and I'm behind, I'm quietly, silently like, I'll get you. Right. I'm going to get you. You know what I mean? Right. So I feel like I'm taking that same approach with life in a competitive way and be like at 35, I'll, I'll show you, you know, right. uh, I don't know if that makes sense or why or who cares. Right. But the other side of things I, I often think about is the person who is winning on, on, as far as what it looks like outside it's like okay show me your books let's see your actual numbers right. what are you dealing with you know right uh i don't know I, I guess there's a competitive side of me coming out in in thinking about these other people that are doing these things and and maybe you're not necessarily doing it on paper or you are on paper but not doing it on a visible level mm-hmm. yeah to, i just taken more of a slow and steady turtle wins the race kind of kind of right. mindset doesn't mean it's right or wrong but right yeah i was i think i knew when i was incredibly competitive like playing uh playing like pickup hockey or you know men's league hockey uh-huh. um we had three lines and i was on the worst line so i was a third liner and i would do real short shifts because i was like and my teammates would be kind of like oh that was a short shift i was like hey (laughs) the first line's way better than us it's like we gotta get off the ice (laughs) are you trying to win right you know like wow it's a short shift i was like like the first line's ready you know it's time time to get off the ice we're trying i'm trying to win the game right you know so i'd say my level of like competitiveness that's that's kind of some evidence i would say yeah um but yeah i I definitely um and and there's there's different people have different worldviews right Mm -hmm. some people entertainment is is the most important you know who's who's you know what are the you know joe rogan or you know all these entertainers in the world hockey players athletes um some people to them that's really that's the end all be all right they don't know who linus torvalds is they don't know who jeff dean is Mm -hmm. these are programmers who have built 
fundamental infrastructure of, of the modern world. Um, where to me, you know, if I saw Linus Torvalds in person, I would be like, I'd have to shake his hand. I'd right. be like, wow, what a legend. Right. But to other people, it's like, whatever. I don't know who that guy is, right. you know. Um, <clears throat> so it depends on, on your worldview as well. Yeah, right. I also realize it's seasons too. Again, and, and I guess you can you can talk yourself in circles on anything, right? But in a young family mode, it's just a harder place to be in to say let's go in on this thing right. so really making a super calculated choice to when that is but again that can hold it back and make it so that you're starting six years later which could be the difference you miss the market whatever right uh either way to me it's no loss like life's a journey see where you go right learn right. it through the process and go from there but uh, i'm curious if i keep score you got me thinking like you said hey you are competitive you keep score i don't I'm, I do in a lot of areas. Like you enter any sort yeah. of game, I'm going to keep track and I'm going to do everything I can to beat you. Uh, I'm just trying to think on like uh Yeah, I think it's natural. Yeah. Um, I think people kind of, there's a, you know, nat, people naturally in a big group kind of organize into a structure. That's, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at like a military, it's like they put their status right on their chest. Yeah. This is where I fall in line. Right. Um, and I think society kind of observes that or groups of people kind of fall in line like that. Yeah. It's just a natural thing to happen. Yeah. But the other thing I think about on that whole front, and again, I talk about having a family, stuff like that too, is I've, I've gotten some exposure into like meeting some of these people that have some pretty high success, uh, and, and, and you, or even reading their books, it, which in a way is a, get, a way to get to meet them. Right. And they're, they're unbelievable. Like David Goggins, the best runner in the world, unbelievable, inspirational. Mm. You read his book, he was divorced three times. Right. And obviously right. life can happen, but it's like that divorce was a, a, a half a paragraph at the end of a chapter. Now it's back to running. And I'm like, wait a minute, that should be like your life story. You know what I mean? Not that you have to put it in a book, but it's like, if that's what it takes to succeed, well then what's it worth? Right. You know? Uh, and again, yeah. I, I could see it being argued that's like small mind thinking of, of justifying not going hard at something. Uh, but I just seen that and I've seen other people too, where again, it's, they've been through, they're ultra successful in this one area, but their personal life is in shambles. And it's like, man, it's not me, you know? Yeah. It's probably some people just struggle with balance a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm probably one of those people. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, people are born with different personalities. Some of them are are real ambitious and swing for the fences. You know, like when me and Brent are working on Lorian Labs, we, you know, we we were kind of running a software development agency, but not really. Like yeah. we, you know, we could have taken on hourly work, mm-hmm. um, but I kind of looked at, you know, the development agencies that I know of, you know, like Zeratech and Creative Minds, and there's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, I want to build something with my own hands and I want to grow because the product is great. Um, you know, I'm not a salesman. Mm -hmm. I don't want to manage people and make sure they're billing hours. Um, so we were definitely, we kept the lights on, we did cash work. Um, to keep the lights on, you know, but we were, we were all frugal. I mean, I don't own a house. Yeah. I don't have any monthly bills. Um, so we kept the lights on and, and we're swinging for the fences. Basically Brent was gambling on me swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, steelhead's a grand slam. Yeah. Oh, it's fun to see. It's fun to see again, that persistence to pay off, right? 
within steelhead and where you guys are heading to and what you're what you guys are doing is unreal yeah i think i've had uh amazing life experience i not many people experience that uh building building a product with your own hands and seeing it go from nothing to being valuable yeah. um and, and of course you'd have to talk to all the steelhead founders to get the the true picture like, I'm, I'm extremely biased towards product development and programming mm-hmm. and, and product design i probably make it sound like that's the only thing that matters but obviously that's just my perception yeah that's my responsibility so that's all i think about but you know i mean dean Holland pulled off the that sale to the mankato customer and when that happened it was just like another miracle like mm-hmm. i don't know how he did this but um you know the when it happened, I was like, this is crazy. Right. I remember saying that many times, like this is, if we can pull this off, this is a huge step. They're, they're at least 10 times bigger than our, you know, our current users. Right. A 10 X jump. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. And so we were, Dean probably went on site. He said 30 to 40 times drive two two hours down to Mankato. And you know, every day it, feels like we're hanging on by a thread um and you know we made made some other big sales you know like aaron closed some big big sales so we could raise venture capital vc investment Mm -hmm. um i mean so many things happen in the company and then you know all the other developers come on and actually make it usable i mean it's just an incredible amount of engineering work um to, to make a useful product and um bring it to its full potential right uh just just takes at some point takes uh kind of takes a village yeah right no it's interesting again it's i keep going back to i never know what i'm going to get into when i start these right but and i i i even started at the beginning saying hey i just want to pick your brain and i feel like that's what we've been doing in a way but i just keep going back to that persistence and why does it keep you going and i i mean i've, I've hammered it seven times we don't need to get into it but that's just right. what keeps coming back to me uh and i keep feeling through the process is like what if you gave up after round three you know yeah to me it was not optional um i think to me you know it's kind of like one side of the coin is that if i'm working on something that's inspiring and i think is important and I think we're doing it the right way, and I believe in it. Right, it's just effortless. Yeah, it's just I think about it all the time, work on it till it's done. It's just pure fun. Hmm. Flip side of that coin is if you tell me to build something I don't believe in that I think is not going the right way, it is pulling teeth. Yeah, I, I will just disobey. You right. know, it's just. So I think, you know, I'm sure people will talk about having to manage me and whatever, but right. you know, that's, that's how it is. Um, just my personality. Yeah. No, I'm similar. If I, if I'm not all in, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I'm just not there. I'm just checked out, you know, uh, whatever the thing is. And if, or if I don't believe in the way the structure above me is handling things, I'm just totally checked out. Right. Right. Uh, in a way it's maybe a bad thing and like it makes you a bad employee but that's okay right i guess we've established we're probably bad employees right, right. yeah I was, uh, I was not a good employee I, I mean maybe actually i did i was really good at interviewing like i think that's kind of something i learned freelancing was how to like establish legitimacy really quick yeah what do you mean by that really good at interviewing uh oh, like interviewing with the technical inter- interviews like on the spot um go through an algorithm or design a programming or on the spot programming challenge mm-hmm. i was pretty good at them 
Okay, so you're saying when you go to these companies and they were interviewing you yeah. as a person, okay, you were really good at that. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, really common in, in, in technology companies. You know, you can have a PhD in computer science, don't matter. Right. Can you write code? Yeah. You know, if you go to Google with a PhD in computer science, they say, okay, that's nice. Um, anyways, here's a problem that you need to write code to solve. Hmm. We're going to watch you for an hour yeah. and see how you do. Right. So it's, uh, it's, it's almost a blue collar profession in that regard. Huh. Um, you know, like maybe if you have a PhD in psychology or something and you're trying to get in somewhere, there's no like, they're not just going to give you a test on the spot like no. they do with, uh, with computer science or maybe like a hedge fund manager, you know, they'll probably interview you, but there's no, like all the consequences of your actions as a hedge fund manager, um, could be five, 10 years out. Um, so yeah, programming is almost a little bit blue collar in that regard where if you write code and someone else can just read it immediately and be like, you clearly have no clue what you're doing. Right. This doesn't even compile. Yeah. Know? It's kind of like a, if you look at a bricklayer and it's like, dude, you didn't put any of the, the paste or whatever in between Order. the bricks. Right. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You've clearly never done any bricks in your life. Uh, right. So I think computer science is somewhat of a, a blue collar profession in that regard. Yeah. Can you have somebody, I, I feel like I know the answer, but can you have somebody with no formal training become a programmer? I mean, yeah. and, and what is the minimum? Is it just self, can you be self-taught and then, Hey, I want to be a programmer at GM or something like that. Or it's probably a, a scale of company that wouldn't allow that maybe. But anyways. Yeah. There's, um, it, it happens for sure. Um, yeah, I went to Michigan Tech for computer science and I thought it, I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, I think it, if you're 18, it'd be kind of tough to just go into a corporate job with a bunch of old guys that have so much more experience than you. Um, maybe some people would argue otherwise, but I think that that freedom that you have in college of you can skip class mm -hmm. and it, it's up to you to take ownership of your own life and show up. Right. Um, I, I think that's kind of what college is about. Um, yeah, was, we certain, certainly Lauren Labs has hired employees, you know, Jonah Tavikoski, um, without any formal education mm -hmm. and, and done really well. Hmm. I've got uh, one last question. This you've got anything else that we should have covered that you thought of through this or beforehand or wow, it feels like it, it's flown by, but, um, yeah, what I'll say is that definitely, um, interested in like, uh, growing the the ecosystem mm -hmm. of, of of startups, and I just love it. Like, yeah, to, to hear of of someone bringing a new product to the market, yeah, innovative product. That, that's just the cool. That's my that's my worldview. That's the coolest thing you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we've done um, well one angel investment in Roscana. Huh. So that's uh, Jesse Davitilla. Mm-hmm. It's a maternity clothing line. Um, so she went through, you know, a, maybe similar to me, longer, you know, career path at multiple places, really honed her craft and then started, uh, started her business doing maternity clothing. So yeah, if you're, you know, yeah, if you're listening and you're, you're, you think you might, uh, be the person that's cut out to do a, do a kind of startup, you know, definitely 
want would like to hear about it and we can connect um connect you with uh investors hmm. that have invested in steelhead and riscana and, and these types of companies uh higher risks uh but yeah to me that's that's uh that's kind of my worldview is the whole uh startup ecosystem and right. innovation yeah well no it's uh and again uh, passively been engaged uh super excited about it read a ton about it really excited about it, this whole startup side of things too and i feel like within the sales world that is likely my path long term my next step whatever my whenever that might be is sales within a startup either my own or somebody else's right uh we'll see life can take you many directions right but yeah when it goes well it's 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 definitely the coolest thing on earth yeah it just fits me that that whole like scrap are we going to eat next friday we don't know (laughs) it's unreal it makes focusing easy you know well we're 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 desperate you know desperation makes you know you know dire situations it's pretty easy to focus yeah you're not you know maybe i should go go for a walk and go find a donut you Mm -hmm. know he's like well that's not that's not part of the part of the equation right now the only focus is making this thing work yeah um so yeah that that uh yeah i don't know what's the saying like uh no pressure no diamonds sure um i i I definitely like the pressure yeah no the last question i was going to ask you then is about writing yeah you've done a little bit of writing i feel like i've read something before but anyways is writing a part of your world and will it be long term i feel like you should write and share a lot of what you've learned through this startup process and whatever else on different uh wherever it is uh, is that something you've thought about considered um, done what, what's that for you yeah most of my writing right now yeah. is technical like technical discussions with uh other steelhead employees um you know uh, discussing how to how to design, you know, discussing the design of a new system. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's definitely a skill that people have varying levels of of aptitude for, or interest, or patience for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, I, I, I feel like uh, I mean I, I don't know if I have much to contribute. You know, there's a lot of startup founders who are um, doing a lot of great writing. Um, yeah, I follow Elon Musk on Twitter, and it's just like, you know, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think Elon is like missing on some stuff that I feel the need to correct him. I guess I don't. Uh, I don't. Maybe when I get older, I'll have, I'll feel more like that, that calling to, to teach or mentor. That, mm-hmm. That's probably not something that comes naturally to me. It very comes very naturally to Brent. Right, is to mentor and take people in. Not so much for me. Um, just just the way it is um but uh yeah it's super yeah writing it'd be be kind of curious to see what chat gpt does to writing it's mm-hmm. so good at it i don't right. know if you've played with it for writing or not no i read enough about it and watched enough clips on it to understand what it can do it, i mean it really exceeds human levels at like you know write a story about steelhead in the at how trump would describe it right how Donald Trump would talk about it. And it just like comes up with like this crazy, like yeah. immediately comes up with this Trump style writing about steelhead. Right. And it's like, I, I couldn't do a better job myself. Right. Um, so I am curious what, what chat GPT will do with writing. I mean, they're just going to, you know, I feel like in five years, 98% of the internet is just going to be this chat GPT generated stuff. Hmm. Um, so there might be some interesting technologies that come out of that. Like, proving that you're a human on the internet is going to be important right because 
the bots are indistinguishable from humans mm-hmm. in, in in terms of written written text yeah it's uh i'm trying to think how i feel about all that uh to me if i'm reading what i knew was a bot written thing even if it's unbelievable i have zero interest in it it's hard i know i I, i've started every time i see something on like linkedin and i read the first few sentences it's like you got to convince me you're not a bot actually like if you write this really flowery fluffy stuff with way too many you know way too much fluff it's like this could be a bot keeps growing Mm -hmm. it it is a real turnoff but you know it it is indistinguishable right right? i don't don't think you can tell a difference between them yeah so i i guess my initial reaction is like it won't take over and i think it will in terms of just production but in terms of impact it won't is how i feel about it Uh, like you'll have a ton of people tons of pages tons of ads tons of things that are all out there all AI generated through chat GPT, right. but the things that are going to have an impact are the things that are written by Mark Holland and, and things that are written by Jordan Peterson. You right. know what I mean? Uh, and again, you could, you could, you could argue that people will game that. I mean, people probably will game that. Right. But I feel like there'll have to be some way, like you said, to verify what's human and what's not. And that to me, the only things that I'll ever have an interest in is human written things. Uh, to me, it's just, what are we doing? I don't know maybe there's value there's probably value in it but i just i'm not engaged in it at all right yeah i mean you could never you can never keep up on what everybody is writing and, and saying or you can never listen to all the podcasts in the world so mm. you're just gonna pick what you're you're interested in yeah um but do you think that people would like listen to like an ai generated podcast or will they read a bunch of these ai generated articles or will it be hard to impossible to know the difference i think it will be impossible to know the difference okay um, so people are just going to come up with ways to, um, now I'm making public predictions, but I think people have to come up with ways to prove they're human. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Joe Rogan doesn't have to, you know, he's got his long established, uh, YouTube podcasts and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, if you're starting like a new writing account, you probably are going to have to, you know, buy Twitter blue and pay seven bucks a month just to prove you're not a a bot right uh, that's probably where it's going yeah yeah no I, I guess for me the thought for you with writing is i guess more less on the teaching and the mentoring side of things but more on like the personal challenge and the uh organization of intellect in a way uh oh, more yeah. like where what what type of realizations do you have by the act of writing and something that you've been working on forever, not realizing that that's, this is how you're doing it or whatever, more of the mental exercise. Oh, absolutely. Like when I, even when I was working on projects by myself, if I was facing a decision, I would write up kind of a description of the problem as if I was going to send it to someone mm-hmm. and just get my thoughts all organized. And, and that was often the ticket to deciding and, and gaining conviction of, of what I wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, to take the next step in, in problem solving. So that, that's one of the tools I use is write out detailed explanations of what the situation is and what the options are and why I'm taking this option over all the others. I'll just write it all down. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a tool that I use. Yeah. No, for me, the, I think the strong interest for writing is again, uh, um, a mental exercise, but to focus on, I guess just where my interests are is on people like your interactions, either through fiction or nonfiction or through essays or whatever, focus on why. And that's what this podcast is. Why do people do what they do? Mm -hmm. Why do you treat people the way you treat people? 
what makes you driven to go along the startup path? Uh, why do you react this way in this situation and not in this situation? Like the whole gamut of like family relationships, friend relationships, human interactions. I don't know. It's just fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. And exploring that, uh, there's a part of me that wants to in, uh, engage in it through fiction because you can almost get through like a, a deeper truth in a fiction setting versus a nonfiction. I don't know if that's true or not. It's just something mm-hmm. I think about. Right. Uh I don't know. I, I have that interest. I haven't really explored it too much, very minimally, but I think at some point, again, try to have some form of balance in life. But right. yeah, I don't know. To me, it's interesting, the writing side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Writing is, I mean, I'm not a, I'm definitely not a big reader. I mean, like Brent has just like an incredible organic interest and in knowledge. I've just never seen anyone go toe to toe with him on, you know, finance, economics, right. history, just you name it. Right. Like, Oh yeah, he could tell you, you know, Battle of Gettysburg, each side of the equation, which, you know, this side had the wood supply chain was cut off over here. Just right. incredible <laughs> in depth. I'm like, I don't even know where Gettysburg is. Like right. North Carolina? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere out there. Um, so yeah, there's, I think uh, there's just varying levels and my interest is just, just hyper focus on startups. That's, yeah. that's uh, most of the books I've ever written or, or read are just on startups or product development or companies. You know, you can go read about how Netflix got started. Mm-hmm. The founder of Netflix will tell you exactly how it went down, right? When they got the idea, when they started it, what challenges they had. Um, to me, that's 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 the most interesting. Yeah. I'll throw, I'll throw one more at you and then we can, we can sign off. But did you have hyper-focus as a kid too? Did you remember at like 12 years old or you focused on uh, specific things? Um, I, I think I was pretty run of the mill. I, okay. don't, I don't think I was, uh, anything crazy, you know, play, play outdoors, outdoor sports. And in fifth grade, my teacher pulled me aside, kind of thought I was getting in trouble. And she's like, you know, I noticed you're falling asleep in math class. And I was like, Oh, so she gave me my own curriculum. Yeah um at at a faster pace or whatever but yeah i I think uh i was kind of kind of more ordinary Mm -hmm. um and just developed that interest uh later yeah and i guess uh, a thing that got thrown on my radar recently is adhd and part of adhd is a hyper focus are you familiar with that at all have you have you looked into that at all what that is Uh, i know they give kids a lot of drugs which seems seems questionable right yeah i don't know and again a lot of it's just labels uh but uh, i feel like what i've learned and i don't know if this is true or not but there can be a component of adhd where you're not necessarily scatterbrained but you're either hardcore focused on something and if you're not it's just not happening and i feel like that's you and I've, I would argue that's me too, that when I'm into something, I'm all in. And again, that fits this podcast. Uh, but if, if I'm not engaged some, with something, it's so hard right. to, to be, to even force yourself to go through it. You will out of diligence or whatever, but there's things like you said at that corporate job, it was just impossible to maintain. You just weren't engaged. Right. You know, I don't know. And again, not that you need to put a label on anything. I just, I curious about that hyper focus side of things and what that is. And does it fit within that picture? I guess. Yeah, I, I would say I'm, I was almost kind of the opposite where, like, when I was a kid, you know, elementary, middle, high school, I was just well-behaved, got mm-hmm. good grades, just kind of did what the teacher told me to do. Yeah. Um, and it worked out for me. It, it worked good. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, when I started trying to build products, um, you know, after you learn some stuff and someone new comes along and tells you, 
oh, I have, I have this bright idea. We need to do it this way. And that, that's probably when I got the, the hyper focus of like, no, like we're, we're not doing it that way. Right. You know, I'm going to put up a fight about it. Um, so it's probably something that was almost the opposite where I gained more conviction and, and less tolerance for wasting time later in life. Sure. Well, no, Mark, I appreciate it. Fun to pick your brain and see where some of this stuff has come from. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Logan. Yeah, thanks for hopping on. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.